Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to Holy Trinity Sunday for the week of June 4th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that this is the first Sunday after the Pentecost. This is something that now we will have for an extended period of time, Sundays after the Pentecost. But I think it is kind of funny to be talking about this, and especially that we have this holiday, per se, within the church that's just kind of this weird holiday. But especially as I was thinking about this and working with this this week, I felt like there was a little bit more clarity that I got with this that I think especially taking more of a biological approach to this can help us to understand a little bit more deeply probably the purpose of why we're recognizing this, but also something that I think helps us in the depth and understanding of who God is and why this is important for us to be able to understand this concept. So before we jump into this week's podcast, we need to look back to last week's question, which was, where do we need to be strengthened by the wind? Remember, this question came out of the idea and talking about how wind is used to strengthen plants so that they're able to grow stronger and be able to withstand. If you notice sometimes with certain house plants, if you don't give them that wind, they're really droopy. In fact, I have a few house plants like that where I haven't given them enough wind. And so then it gets hard for them to even hold up against their own strength to hold their leaves up. It becomes difficult. And I think within our lives, I think there's times where we need to be able to recognize that one, the challenges at times that we are going through at certain points can be the things that help build us to grow stronger. But I think there's also times where we need to be okay with putting ourselves in situations that might be challenging, things that we recognize might be hard for us to be able to go through. And in doing that, realizing that this is something that God isn't going to leave us in this situation, but it's also going to help strengthen us, even though at moments it may look like we're nearly getting bent over, that in doing that, we will be building that xylem and phloem, the going up and down the tree, but building those cells, building that faith to be something more substantial. So, Let's just jump into it. I'm really excited for this week. So the Old Testament text this week is a long one. It is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 2, verse 4a. This is the creation story, the first creation story. Remember, there's also one in Genesis 2. But this is the whole thing. So the separation of the night and day, having the waters come in above and below the dome, having dry land appear, having vegetation appear, having the stars appear, having creatures appear, telling them to be fruitful and multiply, the whole thing. The dominion where we talked about that, how verse 26 can be really difficult and how I have heard it interpreted It's much more like dominion as in dominion over a garden where you're still tending it and you're still taking care of it, but there's times where there's decisions that need to be made, not as domination where you are in absolute control of everything, but then humans coming into form and how God then on the last day even rested to make sure that there was time to appreciate what had been done. The psalm with goes with this is one of the more popular psalms, is Psalm 8, all nine verses of it. 
And this is a praise psalm recognizing the creation of what God has done, the glory that is the stars, the handiwork of what God has made, and to recognize how much power God did give us with having the dominion that we do have to be able to work in this place, and also that we are looked at as just lower than God, that we're being told to tend to this place is pretty amazing with everything that's here, the creation and everything that is. And that's where you get the repeat of what is the beginning in verse 1, ending in verse 9. O Lord, how sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The second reading or the epistle text this week is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 to 13. This is getting near the end of this letter, but this is also kind of this re-encouraging message that as Paul is kind of signing off here, remembering that we should be working together. As he states in verse 12, to greet each other with a holy kiss, all saints greet you. This idea that we're all in this together, we're all trying to work together to help us better understand the God that we're serving, but also be able to work together as a body to better represent who the God is that we are trying to show the rest of the world who God is. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. This is nearing the end here of Matthew's gospel, having the 11 disciples with him, and Jesus then directing them in this kind of the farewell discourse that he has been given all this authority above heaven and on earth, but he is telling the disciples then to go and baptize in his name and go and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded them and remembering that Jesus is with them, God is with them till the end of the age, that God is always with them no matter what is going on. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug Boom. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. It's a great resource, so if you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I use them on a weekly basis. I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but they also have amazing art to kind of look at how different people have interpreted these texts, hymns, prayers, liturgical colors. If you haven't checked out this resource coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend it. It's a great, great resource. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. Both these are amazing resources to be able to look at and think about how to use and look at these texts in more of an ecological faith way week to week. I use these on fairly consistent basis, looking at these and thinking about how different ways to look at the different ecological issues that are arising or things that are going on in our world that kind of relate more in a scientific way. So if this is something that you really enjoy, if you enjoy listening to my podcast, I would highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Rising Publications and the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable, and the information for that will be in the show notes. 
Finally, if you haven't checked out the Gus Davis Academy for Faith, Science, and Ethics to help bring high school students from across the country to interact with scientists, theologians, and activists, I don't know what you've been doing. It's a great intersection that Gustavus Adolphus each year brings together these ideas and brings together faith and science to help find solutions to some of the world's most pressing challenges. It's a creative open, non-judgmental space for questions and community. And this is an opportunity for high school students to have like Bible camp for teens who are excited about science and justice. This summer, from June 17th through the 23rd, 2023, in St. Peter, Minnesota, they are excited to explore insects, climate change, and the interconnectedness of creation. The Academy Fellows will be invited to dive deep into the growing impacts of bugs on the environment, the land in which we live on, and food that we eat and more. They'll experience hands-on ecology and theology, discovering how faith and science can work together hand-in-hand to create a much more beautiful future for our planet. And I'd argue hands-on learning is one of the best ways to possibly do this, and especially in an opportunity like this. I am planning on being there. I am in the discussions, figuring out exactly, but we're working on those details. And I would be super excited to be able to, if you're going to grab a cup of coffee or to talk with you some at that. So registration and the information for that are down below. I'd highly recommend checking that out. This should be an amazing opportunity for some of our younger listeners. When we take the idea of what we're looking at here with Holy Trinity Sunday, we're looking at and recognizing especially what we have just gone through. We're recognizing that the Holy Spirit has come, like we talked about last week, and that now we are dealing with a triune God, a God that has been a creator, a God who has come and embedded God's self within us as the Holy Spirit, and also the recognition of Jesus, God's Son, coming and living among us and interacting with us in that personal way. And I think when we think about this, it's very hard for our brain sometimes to wrap its head around it. And we've talked about the Trinity in various different ways before in previous podcasts, talking about it like looking at the water cycle and thinking about it in a gas form, a liquid form, or a solid form, thinking about things of that nature. But I think it's also valuable for us to be thinking about why would God do this? Why would God be three in one? Why would God have where we're having three different names for God? I would argue it's for biodiversity. Now, to understand what I'm talking about here, we need to first understand a little bit of what is biodiversity. Biodiversity is essentially looking at an ecosystem or looking at an area and recognizing that all the life that's there, so humans and non-humans, plants, animals, all creatures, and then looking at that on a scale, recognizing that the more plants that we have there, the more different organisms that are there, the healthier the environment will be because thus there is more for it to be able to support other things. So think about it this way. If there is a monoculture, typically like think of how in most of the developed world, how we farm, if there is a monoculture and you have some type of insect infestation, it can make it very difficult for those plants, if affected, to survive. 
And now you've not just lost a part of the ecosystem, you've wiped out that whole ecosystem because all you have planted is one plant. Whereas if you have planted multiple plants, if you have planted a diversity of plants, if you've done that, it welcomes the opportunity for other animals and creatures and organisms to be part of that ecosystem. And the cool thing that that possibly could do is in welcoming that in, you potentially also have found some of the solutions to your problem. Because you don't know if maybe something that you have welcomed in is also going to take care of or eat or destroy whatever the infestation is or be a solution for it. And partially because you're not as dependent upon it, you're able to then have it grow better. You're able to have where the ecosystem can support having one of the things have a rough year compared to if the whole ecosystem is dependent upon one plant. The support in which you have created is much stronger. It's more resilient. It's able to withstand more things. If you think of these places that are super biodiverse, it's partially why we talk about the Amazon rainforest. There is so much depth to what is all there. We are still discovering things. We are still understanding the the depth of how that ecosystem entirely works because there's so many things that we are still finding as we pull back the layers, learning about new species and how do they fit within the puzzle. Whereas if you have a very simple ecosystem, that can make it very difficult. And the thing is, is that you've also provided more safety for that ecosystem. Because you haven't made it dependent on one or a few things, it makes it a higher possibility that something isn't just going to go in and wipe this all out. And the problem if you wipe that all out is that you can create potentially a bottleneck effect. And this is something that we talk about more in like genetics in biology, where if you have some type of major catastrophe that you can create a type of genetic drift that is called the bottleneck effect, where the population has gone from a very diverse, very well-rounded population and suddenly shrinks. It makes it that then the genetic diversity that you had within that population now has been drastically reduced. And so in doing that, now within breeding and different things of that nature, there's less of a gene pool to be able to be pulling from. So think about it this way. If you have a population of 100 and every individual is different, there's a lot of genetic diversity there. If you suddenly cut down to 10, you've lost 90% of the genetic diversity. And let's say one or two of those 10 have mutations within their DNA that make them less successful typically versus the old population, that maybe there's a wing that doesn't fully develop or there's a part of their genetic code that makes it more vulnerable to specific types of diseases, you have now put that into a major part of the population because there's only 10 individuals left. And in doing that, it's going to take a lot of time to breed that out. It's going to take a lot of time for that to get the genetic diversity where that can be kind of let go of or kind of be bred out. Now it's going to become a major part because there isn't that many individuals left. You have weakened the population substantially 
because there isn't the diversity there, because there isn't a hundred different genomes that we're sequencing, we have 10. And that those are only have so many different combinations versus where you have a hundred and a hundred times a hundred of diversity makes for a lot more diversity. So how does that affect what we're picking up in the text this week? I think it's us understanding that God comes in multiple ways to show the diversity of God's self and also to help us understand the possibility of God wanting us to have this diverse understanding of the world in which we're living in. If God is this great creator and created all this diverse richness around us, and we have the psalm recognizing that diverse richness, we have the Matthew, the gospel, talking about how we need to go and explore that diverseness. I am with you, but go and explore it. Go and share what you have found with the vastness of the world around you. But that's where I think then also 2 Corinthians is so important is it's recognizing still they are part of this family. Still they are part of the richness of what God has created and that we're invested in. That we should be greeting it with this holy kiss. We should be welcoming this. We should be acknowledging the diversity of that's out there and recognizing then how the Holy Spirit is within them as much as it is in, within me. Maybe it isn't activated within them. Maybe it's an animal and it's that we have to see and spend more time to understand how the Holy Spirit is working within them. But recognizing that this is all part of a bigger picture and that we should be trying to work together in that. Just like an ecosystem, how all the different parts work together. You think about just how plants live. They take nutrients out of the soil and at some point they die and it returns to the soil providing food for detritivores, things to break it back down so that other things can live. But the more diversity, different plants go for different types of nutrients. To be able to break things down, you have animals that walk through or fly through, they have gone different places and bring new and different things into an ecosystem. New seeds, new plants, new experiences, new ideas. This is the richness that is the holy community of God. The value of what it is to have this strong ecosystem. The value of us being able to acknowledge that God created everything that we can see. God's taking a final day not only purely to rest, but also to appreciate what God has done. To take the time for us to be able to recognize and look at, look at what God has done. Appreciate what God has done. Take the time to recognize how all this works together. Do we do that? Do we take the time to recognize, even within our human populations, how different cultures from around the world work together? Or do we just see the differences? Heck, with even in the Christian faith, do we look at different faith communities and recognize how the strengths of the different ones can help us all understand who God is better? Or do we immediately jump to the differences that each of us have? Because if a tulip looked at a blue spruce and was envious that it wasn't a blue spruce, we wouldn't have tulips. And tulips are a beautiful flower, they're a beautiful flower that brings forth spring and helps us remember that this is the beginning of spring, at least in the northern hemisphere where I'm from. 
And if we didn't have tulips to help us remind it, that would be something that's missing. Whereas a blue spruce is blue spruce all year long. I mean, blue spruces are amazing and they grow tall and they're amazing looking trees, but they don't have the spark of beauty that a tulip does. This kind of gets back into that 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we can't be envious of these different parts, but recognizing that we're all working together. And if we're recognizing that we have a God who is diverse, we recognize that our God is biodiverse within God's self and how God interacts with us we then should be able to acknowledge and recognize that the world in which we're in is biodiverse and thus our faith should be biodiverse in recognizing not only humankind, but world kind. Recognizing that if this is everything that God has created, that everything we see is God created in its rawest form, to appreciate and acknowledge that. That's the psalm this week. That is Psalm 8 to a T, recognizing the awe that everything, if we get it down to its basic form, comes from God. Recognizing that the technology that you're listening to this podcast on, in some form or fashion, if you break it all down, came from raw materials and what is that? It's from God. The sound, to hear the waves of the air moving to be able to create sound, to be able to listen to what you're hearing right now. God had God's hand within that. Recognizing that all of that, from Jesus walking in and amongst us, to the Holy Spirit being within us, to acknowledge that, to understanding we had a creator God at the beginning, how all three of those work together. Just like a biodiverse ecosystem works together, that there isn't necessarily one part of it that's more important than the other. There's some that contribute in major ways, like keystone species. We've talked about that multiple times before. Something that has greater impact on the environment than you would expect. Hence, like a prairie dog mound to be able to turn up new soil for new things to grow. But in acknowledging that doesn't take away from the prairie grasses that can grow in those spots that have root systems that go down hundreds of feet to be drought resistant. The environment needs all of that. I think within our faith, we need to be able to understand that we need all of it. We can't just spend time necessarily purely with the human creation part of human creation or the purely just with the human part of creation, we need to be able to acknowledge the whole creation. And sometimes that means also acknowledging it's not just this floating rock that we're in in outer space. It's acknowledging that there are things beyond what we can see and understand at this moment, or there's things that are just glimpses that God's hand's still within, God's still working on, God still has a part in. It's those moments where it's us recognizing how important we are here, but also how small we are. And that doesn't take something away from us. It's us acknowledging just the beauty that we have a God who does care about all of it. So the question I have for you this week is, when was the last time you acknowledged that you were part of God's ecosystem? When was the last time that you acknowledged that you were part of of God's ecosystem. I think in acknowledging that you're part of something greater than humankind, 
that you're part of something greater than what we can just easily describe. It helps us to understand how amazing what God has done for us and what that actually means for us. I think it helps put some flesh on the bones in certain ways. It helps us for a moment be able to do the rest that we see in Genesis on day seven, to appreciate what is done, to rest and acknowledge and think about and look at how all this works together. I look at when it talks about in Genesis chapter two, verse two, that God rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. I think it's looking at what do you do after something like that? You look at it. You look at how all the things are working and are satisfied or amazed or joy filled. And I think in our world, as we're thinking about and looking at this, I think we realize that we then have a small part in managing this. But that also means we need to be able to stop and reflect and look and acknowledge at the amazing creation of what God had done. And I think it means that we have to acknowledge and understand that we are then are part of that broader ecosystem. Something much greater than just me or you, but yet how much God cares about me and you. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.